0: You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Tony Meyer. For more information on other LifePoint Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. Amen. Thank you, Joshua. I realized I needed coffee up here today. We uh, did a camp out at Pastor Drew's house on Friday night with little children. And uh, so by sleeping in a tent, I mean I laid in a sleeping bag all night (laughs) and didn't sleep very much. Um, Thank you so much for being here. So glad that you're here. My name is Tony. I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint. Before I get started, um, I just want to take a moment. We have some really close friends of ours here this morning. Our friends Todd and Erica Hahn are in the back. Uh, They're going to be mad that I did this, but um, we're just want to I just want to make mention, they're just very dear people to us. They've taught us so much about love, about hard work, about hospitality, about generosity. And so I'm really trying to get them to move here. And so you guys can help me out with that and just be on your best behavior. yeah. And join in on my campaign. Thank you. But give them a hug if if you would this morning. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Galatians chapter 6. When I die in about 100 years, sorry, I plan to be about 135 when I die. Great advance, advances in medical technology. But when I die, on my gravestone, one of the phrases that I want engraved on my headstone is this, that God wants to use your life. And if you spent any time around me at all, you've probably heard me say that many times, that God wants to use your life. That God so wants to set you on fire. That wherever you go, the devil has a bad day. You move into a new neighborhood and and the enemy's like, oh no, not another one. Not another one from life point. That you walk into a room at your job or you walk into a room wherever you go or the grocery store and the spiritual atmosphere and the spiritual temperature changes when you walk in because the Spirit of God is so alive in you. Because the Spirit of God is set ablaze in your heart. That collectively, when we come together as a body we 're like a, a bunch of little fires put together, and we 're like a city on a hill that cannot cannot be hidden and God has plans for your life specifically, and God has also plans for this church and I just man, I envision this church having such a place of influence in our in our region, that one. When, when people are at the hospital and they have an incurable disease the doctors are confounded, they'll say, you know what? I don't have an answer for you, but I've heard about this place down the road. And people go there, and people pray for them, and they're made well. I don't know if I believe it, but that's what I've heard. Or people struggling with mental illness or struggling in different areas, they'll say, you know, I've heard there's a place that you can go and receive holy, uh, wholeness and healing and I believe that to be true. A few weeks ago, one of my friends, uh, from Iowa, a different friend from Iowa City was here, and it um, was my neighbor, and he walked into our church and he said, Tony, the Lord spoke to me very clearly when I walked into your church, and he said, this, God is gonna make LifePoint a hospital where people will come from all over the world to receive healing and wholeness. And I said, amen, I received that. And he said, but Tony, before that happens, God needs to heal the people. And that's why this message, or this, this series that Pastor's been taking us through, I believe that God is, is getting us ready for something. We've been talking about blind spots, these areas in our life that we don't always see, or areas of sin or struggle or attitudes of the heart that we don't always see, or maybe we've neglected them for a long time, but God wants to deal with those because I don't know about you, I want to eliminate anything that obstructs, anything that hinders me from hearing from God, anything that would, uh, that would disqualify me from being used of him. And I'm just going to brag on my brother Drew, a pastor, I've been around a lot of pastors, and I would, I would say this even if he wasn't my brother, but there are many pastors that would say, I need to just read a, a, a nice book, or we need to have another strategy meeting and figure out what we're going to do next, and I want you to know when there's a big decision be made, he goes into the prayer closet, he actually takes a day off and goes and prays and spends an entire day seeking the Lord and say, God, what would you have for us next? And so this series, I I believe, is important. It's not just like, hey, what's a cool new hip series that we could do that would sound really neat? But man, this is really what we believe that God has for us in this season. And so we've been in Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus uses this very extreme analogy. Uh, In verse 2, he says, why do you see a speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother 's eye. man, Jesus uses this, this analogy of it's saying man it 's amazing that we want to we reach the people around you that you want to help those around you, but for some of us that we have these huge logs sticking out of our eye and even cl- <clears throat> more generally as a church, there are things that God wants to deal with us, deal deal in us that would Increase our influence in our town. And so it's important that we, we deal with these blind spots. And two of the two ways in which I've seen God deal with blind spots, the biggest ways, there's not just two, but the two biggest ways are, are this. One is uh, he uses a conviction of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes and 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 speaks something unto us, or we know that there's an area of our life, and he speaks and says, hey, I know you're going this way, but let's, let's stop going that way. And come with me. We're going to go this direction now. And it's important that we have a humility of heart, that we have a repentant spirit like, like, like Pastor talked about last week, that we have a heart that says, God, where you, wanna, where you are, that's where I want to be. The second way is this, is through community, It's through being with one another, and one of the most beautiful things that I about this family is that we get to do life with people. Isn't that amazing? And one of the most difficult things about this family is that we do life with people. <laughs> you see there's this power uh, that comes in the unity that we, when we bind together, when we are one, there's an amazing power. But there's also difficulty because our humanity is fleshed out as well. And I don't know if you've been around people very much, but sometimes people say and do things that are not pleasant. <laughs> they don't feel very good. The problem is that we can't separate the two. We can't have the, the, both the power without the pain. And we live in a world that says, I just, want, I just want this part over here, but I don't want to experience. But if you're committed to a people, you know this in your own family. If you can't be uh, in unity with one another without experiencing some of the annoying habits that they have in their life, or when somebody has a bad day and says something that hurts your feelings, right? But when we're committed to another, when you live to this higher standard of love that says, no matter what, it doesn't matter what happens in this life, I'm committed to you. I'm committed to you, and you can, you can take that to the bank, We experienced both of those things, and uh, I think it's really beautiful. So Paul, the Apostle Paul, he, he knew that. I mean, this is, this is one of the things um, from the beginning of time that God brought us together. And one of, our, one of our core values as a church is that we believe in family. And we don't just just say that because it sounds good. Like, we really, really believe that this is a family, that people come from all over the world, and, and we come to this place, and we are a family, we can count on one another. I was telling our small group leaders this last Friday that, man, uh, there are people all over the world, we know, we know them, that are walking in this life alone. They're carrying these burdens by themselves. And the Bible says, pity the man who has no one to pick him up when he's fallen. And so there's incredible power in this family. And so this was God's plan, not mine. And uh, so if you have a problem, you can take it up with him. In Galatians chapter six, Paul, um, he gives us some instructions on how to, how to deal with one another in this context of community. <clears throat> when problems arise, when difficulty arises, how, we, how should we conduct ourselves? How should we treat one another and love each other? And uh, Paul was speaking to a group of churches that were really in the midst of it. He starts out in verse 1. We're just going to kind of work our way through 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 this portion of scripture. In verse one, he uses this phrase, brothers and sisters, or in other versions it says brethren. The Greek word is actually adelphos, and it means this. It means brothers and sisters born of the same father. Brothers and sisters born of the same father. And so he's very intentional about the word that he's using because he uses it 10 times throughout the book of Galatians because there's this great division, this segregation that's happening between the Jews and the Gentiles. They're not always super happy that that God is including the Gentiles in his redemptive work on this planet. And there's actually this group of of Judaizers that are like, they're people that accept Jesus as as their savior, but they also wanna have everyone uh, adhere to the old law as well. And so they're telling all the men, these Gentile men, hey, you gotta get circumcised. So... All the men are like, hey, whoa, let's just talk about this for a second here. And so then they, Paul <laughs> steps in and he uses this term, brothers and sisters, that it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter your origin story. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what your family upbringing has been. That we are brothers and sisters born of the same father. That we come together under this banner of Jesus and you can say, I'm with you, I'm your brother, I'm your sister. We're going to link arms and nothing is going to tear us apart. We are brothers and sisters. And then he goes on in, in verse 1 and he says, if, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should respond that person gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. So he uses he says, if someone is caught in sin, it's actually also translated, if you, have a, if you make a mistake, or you fall into something. He says, what should you do? You should, you who live by the Spirit, and he's referring back to chapter five where he talks about the fruit of the Spirit and walking with the Spirit every single day. He says, those who are mature, those who are growing in the things of the Lord, those who are walking with the Spirit, you should help restore that person gently. Oftentimes, we we have a tendency to write someone off. Say, I knew it was fake all along, so they're just gonna go, and that's not what family does. Or we say, you know what? I just need to give them a piece of my mind. I need to set, set them straight. I need to tell them the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. And I'm all about the truth. But I've heard it said that truth without tact is cruelty. That's why he uses this word gently. And I, you know what? There's been times that I walk in my journey with the Lord that I have failed that I've made, mis- I've made big mistakes, that I've sinned. And I thank God for those in my life who surrounded me and restored me with gentleness and with love and with kindness and didn't give me a piece of their mind, but gave me a piece of God's mind. Because it's easy when we walk with people, our own humanity is fleshed out. So he's saying here, be careful lest you be tempted. And he's not saying that be careful because their sin is going to get on you and you're going to get contaminated. Sometimes we're afraid to get in the middle of things with people because we're afraid that, man, their stuff is going to get on me. That's not what he's saying. But when we walk with people, it can be difficult at times. When, When people, when you give someone advice and they don't listen and they go the other way, it can be frustrating. It can cause you to have a cynical heart. It can cause us to just write people off. It can cause us to fall into other areas of sin. And each one of us is vulnerable to that. So he's saying, be careful. Make sure that you're led of the Spirit. Every single day, you've submitted yourself to the Spirit, to his will above your own. Otherwise, we too can be tempted. So we're obligated. We have that opportunity to restore people gently. And then he says this in verse 2. He says, and carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ, he's referring back to John 13, where Jesus washes the disciples' feet after the Last Supper. And he washes their feet, and you know, Peter had a big problem with this, and he's like, I don't want to wash your feet. And I know, for, for, I'm not a huge fan of feet, generally. Please don't put your feet around me. Uh, but back in those days, I mean, they wore sandals, and so their feet were disgusting. And so washing someone's feet was this ultimate act of humility, ultimate, ultimate act of, of, of servitude, And so Jesus washes their feet. And then he says this. He says, today, a a new law I give you, that you would love one another as I have loved you, so you should love one another. And by this, the whole world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So he no longer says, just love people like you want to be loved, but he's saying now love like I loved. You've been walking with me for three and a half years now. Now, now, You saw how I love people, and that's how I'm calling you to love, too, by laying down your life, by walking in mercy, walking in grace, walking in gentleness, carrying each other's burdens. Man, I walked a big part of my life trying to carry my own burdens, and it's exhausting, and we weren't designed to carry it on our own. You know, I have this friend, his name is Michael, bloom and uh known him for quite a while but i met him when he was 19 and i was having a small group at his house and he didn't want to come he was just he just moved there from california so he's this little punk from california and i'd invite him to my my small group every every week and he said i, I he couldn't because he was too busy and then he would go into his room and he'd watch professional wrestling he knows jesus now so it's okay no um but me and, and some friends some friends of mine uh uh, named David, we just started to spend some time with Michael. Michael finally gave his life to Jesus, and began to tell us about his life. That Michael grew up in a, in a broken home. He never knew what it was to have a, a home life that wasn't fighting, that wasn't shouting at each other. His parents got divorced at a young age. He'd never seen his his father and mother get along, and when they got divorced, they put the kids in the middle of it. He said it's just just very damaging. So he finally moved away. He had got involved in drugs and alcohol, and he moved to, to North Dakota, of all places, because uh, his sister was living there, and that's where we met. And in particular, Dave started to, my friend Dave, he just started to spend a lot of time with Michael, and Michael was not easy to love at the beginning. <laughs> there's some people here this morning that are easy to love, and there's other people that we encounter in life, they're not easy to love, and that's where our love is really tested Michael wasn't easy to love, and, but every every single week, twice a week, Dave would go pick up Michael for church and drop him off, and to Chi Alpha, pick him up and drop him off. And they lived on opposite ends of town, and so it would, this was probably two hours out of, out of Dave's day, every, every week there was church or Chi Alpha. He said he'd spend hours on the phone with Mike, and Mike would try, just didn't have anyone ever to talk to about his life and so he would just, he just we know sometimes when it comes, starts coming out, it just starts coming out and he spent hours on the phone talking to Dave and one time Michael got arrested, he didn't have insurance on his car and his, wasn't registered and so he got arrested and he never wanted else to call, so he called Dave and Dave paid him back, or Dave bailed him out and Michael didn't have any money to pay him back this is what community is Finally, Michael's life, he started, God, God was transforming his life slowly. And uh, Mike was trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life. He think I, I think I want to be a police officer. So he went to the police academy. And uh, during that time, he's like, I don't know how I can do school and work and all these things and, and, and pay for a place to live. He said, Tony, do you think that your parents would, would let me live with them for a while? I've heard that a lot of people stay with them. And it's true. We always had people staying at our house. And um, I said, well, I could ask him. And so I asked my parents, and they said, yeah, that'd be great. So Michael moved in with my parents, and he said, Tony, that was the first first time in my life that I saw a husband love his wife. That was the first time in my life that I saw a wife love her husband. That I saw a consistency of faith with a man of God that I'd never seen before. He said, every morning I knew I could get up. He's like, I can still see it in my mind. There's Dean in his sweatpants and his his white T-shirt and his blue chair seeking the Lord. He said they used to spend, stay up late with me talking about things, giving me advice and wisdom about things, asking me about my life. He's like, I knew your dad had to get up early in the morning, but he would stay up, spend time with me. It was this transformational, like kind of incubational period of Michael's life that never left him. Michael graduated from the academy, and he became a police officer, and uh, he is so influential in the, in the police department now in Fargo that he actually has a specially appointed position where he is like an ambassador from the police department to the city to repair the relationships. And he is transforming the cultural fabric of the police department and the city. The, the cities, you know, in, in, in different areas that had a very poor view of the police department. He's actually transforming that and changing it. And he's also a youth pastor. And so, man, God gives us the opportunity to carry burdens with people convenient. And sometimes we can say, God, I'll do anything for you, but just not right now. It's not really that good of a time for me. And God says, okay, but when? And sometimes we say, God, I'm gonna get down in the pit with people to take them out. And then we get down in the pit with people and we get mud on us. And we say, I don't know if I like this. God gives us the opportunity to carry one another's burdens. So we don't have to carry it alone. In verse three he says this, if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. So he just said we should carry each other's burdens. And then he says you should carry your own load. And this seems like a contradictory thought. It seems like it doesn't make sense. But Paul is actually saying, he said, we, are, we have an opportunity as, as brothers and sisters to help carry the load, but at the end of the day, each one of us is responsible for our own decisions. Like, as much as I would love, I, you know, you who have kids, you know, like, you tell your kids you should do this, you should do this, but I can't make the decisions for them. Like, you have to make it for yourself. And ultimately, you're responsible for that decision. That's why it's so important that we have a, a, a keen a sense of self-awareness in our life. That we can look in the mirror and not turn away from it. That's why he says, don't be deceived. If you think you're something and you're actually not, he's like, be real with yourself. Be authentic with yourself. That's why one of our values is authenticity. We, we believe in an authentic expression of this gospel. But not only that, in relationship with one another, in relationship with God, we believe in transparency and vulnerability. That's where the true power in relationship comes that we don't just, sometimes the most difficult person to be honest with is ourselves. And he's saying, let's be honest, let's get real about, take a personal inventory of our life and get real with ourselves, so then it's only in that place where God can start to change and do something. And don't compare yourselves to one another, it doesn't help. There's kind of two sides of the spectrum when we compare ourselves. One side is, we, we look at someone who's maybe struggling in different sins than we are or struggling in a different area. We say, well, yeah, I know I have this area in my life that I'm struggling in, but at least I'm not as bad as they are. For me, coming from the life I did, it was like, okay, well, at least I'm not snorting cocaine up my nose anymore. Okay, I still smoke, but I'm, at least I'm not doing that, and I'd cut myself a break all the time. When God is saying, there's always more. Don't stop. Why'd you stop? Keep going, keep going, keep going. Or else, we do the opposite, where we, see some, we kind of put someone up on a pedestal, and we, look, we they think they're, like, God-like, and we think, I can never reach that, that level, so what's the point in even trying? When God's not comparing you to anybody else, one day when we stand before him, he's going to say, did you do what I asked you to do? we'll stand there alone we won't stand there with our husband and our wife or our mother and our father or anybody else we'll stand before you and God will say did you do what I asked you to do and he's not comparing us to anyone else so ultimately each one of us is responsible for the choices that we make and so it's this dynamic that we have when we walk with people we carry their burdens that man we do everything to empower and equip somebody to make the right decisions but at the end of the day it's their decision to make it's your decision to make Amen. Number six, or uh, verse six, he, he, we're not gonna spend a whole lot of time. He says, nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word share all good things with the instructor. Man, we all benefit when we share the, the wisdom that God has imparted to us. We all benefit when we submit ourselves for correction to one another. When, we, um, when someone shares an experience of something they learned, they benefited from that, but then, we also can benefit from someone else's experience. Amen? My brother was so wise that he looked at a, a brother making stupid decisions and said, I am not going to do that. <laughs> and so he benefited. He benefited from that. And we have the opportunity as believers, when man, when things are happening in your life, when we're celebrating, when, we're, uh, when, when God has showed us something, and we share that with one another, we all benefit from it. Amen. Number seven, or verse seven, and he says this phrase again, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please their spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Again, he uses that phrase, do not be deceived. God will will not be mocked. I think sometimes as a church we get the wrong idea that it's our job to be God's administrator of justice. It's not. We're called to a a ministry of reconciliation. We're called to a ministry where we redeem a broken world to their Savior. That's what we're called to. Because one day, in Philippians chapter 2, it says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day the whole world, everyone who's ever existed is going to see Jesus and they're and they're gonna bow. And I'm not talking about just physically bowing, like somebody could take out your legs and you could physically bow, but bow, true bowing comes in the heart. It comes with a recognition that, and a confession that Jesus, you are the king of the universe. And for some, that will be a great day of destruction. And so it's not my job to administrate God's justice. It's my job to sow in the spirit, sow in the spirit, sow in the spirit, and in the previous chapter in Galatians 5, he talks about those fruit of the Spirit. If you sow those fruit of the, the, the seeds of the Spirit, you're going to reap a harvest of the fruit of the Spirit love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self control. But if you sow in the flesh, the natural fruit of that is destruction. And so it's not my job. I don't have to go around being the morality police for this world, but it's my job to introduce a broken world and represent. Jesus on this earth. In verse 9, he says this, and we're going to close pretty soon. In verse 9, it says this, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Paul describes exactly what happens. He says, don't let us, let us not become weary in doing good. I've found in my life that that's, that's kind of the order of things. We're heading down a road for a while. We're heading down, we set our, our mind, our hearts on something, and then we grow weary You go to your work and people are complaining about the boss and you're like, Man, I get tired of being the only one that holds their tongue. (laughs) Or when everybody else is, is talking crass and talking dirty, it gets exhausting feeling like I'm the lame one all the time and I walk out. Or when my husband who doesn't know Jesus is constantly on me, it gets tiresome to not return with angry words to do the right thing when nobody else is around. It gets tiring. But Paul is saying, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Because there's going to come a time where you're going to reap a harvest for that. Whether it's in this life or the next, you're going to reap a harvest for that. So don't give up. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep going. Your faithfulness is going to, retu- going to return to you in faithfulness. Don't give up. And then he says this word, opportunity. And I just think it's such an amazing word of Perspective. Because a lot of times we can do things out of obligation or duty. And the heart matters to the Lord. And so when we have a perspective that this, I have an opportunity to do good wherever I go, it changes our perspective. I have an opportunity. It's not an obligation. It's not a duty. It could be that, but it takes all the life out of it. I have an opportunity that wherever I go, I can do good. I can do the right thing. I can show people the love of Jesus. I can res- represent him on this planet. And he says, especially those who are in the household of faith or the family of God. Especially those among us. I have found in my life that sometimes the, most, the people that are the most familiar to us, we're the most careless with. You know, if a guest comes to your house, we roll out the red carpet, we make the best meals, and we should. I believe that is an attribute of God to be show radical, radical hospitality. But then the guests leave and we let down our walls and we start talking to each other. We don't we're not careful with our words. We talk to each other like, like that person doesn't matter, or we don't treat each other with 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 with, with care. And he's saying, especially those who are dearest to us, especially those brothers and sisters of the same Father. Those are the ones that we should be the most careful with because it's by our love for one another that the world will know that we are his. See, man, those people at Life Point, I don't know what it is, but they sure love each other. They sure love each other. And I went there and I felt love. Man, I felt love like I never felt before. This is something that I've experienced in my life time and time again. You know, when my family was was going through the struggles that it went through, when my mother fell into alcoholism and addiction, depression, it was the church that was there. It was the church that came to our house and pleaded with her. When my parents got divorced, my dad was a single father. It was the church that said, let me mow your lawn. Let me clean your house. Let me watch your kids. When I turned away from the Lord, after my mother took her life, it was the church that was there. It was God's people that were there at our house when we came home. When I was away from God, and it was the people that were contending for my soul. It was God's people. And ultimately, when I was 20 years old, when I gave my life, to him and I was a complete mess it was a church that welcomed me with open arms and said you don't have to prove yourself to me help carry my burdens and I remember this church that I grew up in, it was an amazing church and when I was about 21 or 22 our pastor died of liver cancer and after that our church kind of just descended into madness there wasn't really a plan for what would happen if he died for the next three years it just kind of descended into chaos and I remember going to meetings at our church and I saw these people that I love and respected screaming at each other calling each other names, acting like little five year olds I remember I'm new in the faith, and I remember talking to my dad, I'm like dad I don't, this is what it's going to be like, I don't think I can do this I don't think I want anything to do with this. If this is what church is going to be like. I don't want anything to do with this. And I said, Dad, you know, I'm interning. So I, I, I was interning at the church at the time. So I, I'm like, I can't really leave. But why don't you leave, Dad? Why don't you leave? This is not fun. This is not. This is painful. Why don't you leave? I remember he looked at me in the face. He said, Tony, how could I leave? He said, this, these people have been with me through the most difficult times of my life, and I've committed myself to them. I've not committed myself to a name on a church or a denomination. I've committed myself to a group of people, and they've seen me through the darkest times of my life. Why would I leave at one of the darkest times in this church's life? No, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to see him through, and he did. There's this idea in church cultures, some, that we, we church shop, just consumerism mentality that we have. And I, I don't want you to, to, to misunderstand me this morning. There's, I'm not saying there's never a reason to leave a church because there absolutely is. But we become very fickle at times. Where we say, you know what? They just don't really do things the way that I like it or they don't sing the songs that I like or the pastor doesn't preach on what I like. And we disqualify our, ourselves from really experiencing the true power of a people that are committed to each other. And we can't separate the power and the pain of that Because in that is our humanity and the working out of who we are so God can use our life in a better way. Amen? Amen, would you stand with me this morning? I hope you hear my heart. I was really hoping I wouldn't come across like I was scolding anybody today. That's not heart, and this isn't a response to anything that I've seen or anything like that. It's just I believe that God is calling us to this highest ethic of love, that we would truly lay down our lives for one another, that we'd help carry each other's burdens, that we said, no matter what, you can count on me. I'm not going anywhere. I'm with you. I'm with you. The comfort of a friend, the comfort of a people that says, I'm behind you. I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm a fan. So this morning, I want us to pray. Uh, uh, I don't have a specific... um, Call this morning. Other than that, I want to give anyone here an opportunity that needs to re- to respond to the gospel. So, in a moment, I'm going to ask if there's anyone here in, in response to that question. I'm going to ask that you raise your hand. And my intention in that is not to embarrass you or call you out or make you do anything weird. I just want to pray for you, you, and I want to know who I'm praying for. So, if you're here this morning, and you say, Tony, I, I'm like you were. I didn't have a really, I don't have a relationship with the Lord, but I want one or maybe you've had one in the past but it's just grown cold and stagnant and you need to get your life right with him this morning. If that's you, would you just put your hand up this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Awesome. Appreciate your honesty. Thank you. You can put your hands up. If you just raise your hand, would you pray with me as I, as I pray? Just agree with me in your heart. God's not looking for the perfect prayer. He's just looking for an attitude, or He's looking for your heart, is what He's looking for. God, this morning I just recognize that I'm far away from you. I'm not where I should be. So Lord, I pray that you just take my life, you take my heart, Take my mind, take all of me this morning. I just repent from the way that I've been living. I just turn away, God, from the the things of this world, and now I start running towards you, Jesus. I run towards you now. Take my life, Lord, I pray. I just uh, accept that gift that comes through the blood of Jesus, for the cleansing of sin, and now the Spirit of God can come and live inside me. So, God, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you come in just such might. I pray you'd seal it on their hearts. to write the, the love of God on them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And, God, I pray this morning that we would be such a people with such grit, determination, fortitude, thick-skinned, single-eyed on you, Lord. The things that when the enemy comes to to sling arrows at us and set up traps for us, they just wouldn't work. When the enemy would come to seek to divide us, Lord, we would stay arm in arm, linked together. Nothing would separate us. I pray that the world will know that we are yours by how we love one another. That what a privilege, what an honor it is, Jesus, to walk with you and to walk with each other. And, Father, for some of those in this place that need healing, they have felt hurt by the church and uh, things have happened to them. And, Lord, I don't want to minimize that in any way. But, God, I just ask for healing now in their heart. I ask for forgiveness in their heart in Jesus' name. That they would forgive those who have offended them, who have hurt them. We'd release it, God, so a new day could come. A new day would arise. Lord, we just thank you for your grace. We thank you that for each one of us, God, we here this morning, we've gotten to experience newness of life that you didn't pass any one of us by. Now we're we're transformed, we're new. Now we get to walk this life together and with you. Father, what an honor, what a privilege that is. God, we thank you for what you're doing among us. We pray you'd continue it in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about Life Point Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org.